Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fail Mary podcast. We are four weeks in. This was the first weekend where we saw real disruptions caused by coronavirus and they're starting to sneak back into the league. But we still have six teams remaining undefeated, some more fortunately than others, and we've had our first head coach firing of the season. We'll come back to that later, but first, the results from this week. The Broncos got their first win of the season against the Jets, who are still without a win. Adam Gay still somehow has a job, despite his starting quarterback, Sam Darnold, being outthrown by the Broncos' backup quarterback, Brett Ripien. That game ended 37-28. The Panthers got their second win of the season, beating the Cardinals 31-21. I will touch on the Panthers as well later, but the Cardinals really struggled to get going at all in this game. Cliff Kingsbury, I think, still has a few things to learn in this league. The Colts beat the Bears in a low-scoring game. The Bears managed 28 whole rushing yards. Yeah, Foles is is good, but he needs some support. Uh, It's a strong performance from the Colts. I suspect we'll have them in the mailbag. Joe Burrow got his first win of the season. The Bengals beat the Jags 33-25. The Cowboys continued to struggle. They lost to the Browns and got run all over. Odell Beckham also had an outstanding game in this one. Very highlight-worthy if you've got 10 minutes to go and watch something on YouTube. That ended... 49-38. The Saints beat the Lions, obviously. That was 35-29. The Vikings are also off the mark. They won 31-23 against the Texans, who are in a lot of trouble. Come to them later on. The Seahawks remained undefeated. Wilson is still leading the MVP race. That was 31-23 against the Dolphins. The Buccaneers went top of the NFC South with their win over the Chargers. This was an interesting game. The Bucs were 24-14 down at halftime, so it was the first time we got to see Brady in full-on comeback mode, and he looked great. Really good, three touchdown passes in the second half, 38-31. He did also throw another pick six, but overall, a good game from Brady. The Ravens beat the Washington football team, of course. That was 31-17. NFC Eastman Haskins is apparently being benched for next week. That's how good they are at the moment. The Giants lost to the Rams, 17-9. Still no wins in New York, unbelievable. And still no losses in Buffalo. The Bills beat the Raiders 30-23. Josh Allen playing really well at the moment. And it's a real treat to watch. Very, very entertaining. Another team that are a treat to watch are the Packers. They beat the Falcons 30-16. Rodgers threw three touchdowns to a guy called Robert Tonyan. He's a third year but pretty much hasn't featured until this season. No Devontae Adams for Rodgers and he's making use of his other players very well. We'll come to them later. The Eagles have a win. They beat the 49ers. 25-20. Wentz is still the worst rated starting quarterback in the league, but to his credit, his top receiver is a bloke called Travis Fulgham. 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 Either way, they were helped by Mullins being terrible and getting benched. Top of the division with a 1-2-1 record. Go the NFC East. Good work, you four teams. And finally, the Chiefs beat the Patriots. This... This game was a bit disappointing though. Cam's out, he's been diagnosed with coronavirus and Brian Hoyer was terrible. So it was more of a what could have been game. And I wonder if the Chiefs felt that they had an easy win because Mahomes wasn't that great either and they sort of dialed it in. But either way, the result was 26-10. So those are the results. The Titans and Steelers were due to play but postponed it due to a COVID outbreak in the Titans camp, which will come to in the mailbag. But the big story is what the Texans are up to. So let's start there. So the Texans have fired Bill O'Brien, their head coach. It's 
It's not necessarily undeserved, but he has taken them to the last two playoffs. Having said that, he's been all over the place since they made him GM, making some particularly bad decisions about Jondre Hopkins. And he is one of the only losing head coaches that isn't with a new team, which suggests that his team are sort of going in the wrong direction. I did a whole YouTube video on why this problem is bigger than just Bill, but apparently he fell out with JJ Watt in training this week. And after that, he pretty much lost the dressing room, which he can't really do as a head coach. So it's probably time for him to go. But what everyone seems to forget is this. The NFL is set up to make being a great team really difficult. We've got salary caps, lower draft picks, harder schedules. The whole league is built to keep talent rotating and not let one team sit at the top for too long. Ignoring the Patriots, that won't ever happen again. But for everyone else, it's a really quite a long climb for a couple of moments in the sun. And that's all you get. The Chiefs are the hot thing currently but they hadn't won a Super Bowl for 50 years before last year. The Panthers were in the Super Bowl in 2015. Since then, they haven't even been to the playoffs. They now have a new owner, a new head coach, and a new starting quarterback. And they've just now started to look slightly respectable again. There are loads of examples like this. Remember when the Falcons were in a Super Bowl? They haven't been back since. Or when the Jags made the AFC Championship game? Or when Philadelphia won the Super Bowl? And look at them now. All these teams have these moments of greatness and then they fade away again. And the reason is that it's really, really difficult to keep all the right pieces together. And I don't just mean on the field, I mean the front office. How good is your owner? Is he attentive? Does he give the right support and funding? How good is your coaching and not just your head coach? Your coordinators, offensive and defense. Is your special teams all right? Are your assistant coaches doing the right things? Are they teaching the right techniques? And then it's about your team And are you balancing your pricing right? And have you got the right talent for the right price? And the most important thing for each team is that they've got to move off the wrong pieces, the things that are slowing them down, but make sure whilst they're doing that, they don't get rid of the right pieces and throw the baby out with the bathwater. So there's not one formula that works. And the fans think this is a good thing for the Texans. And it probably is. But in one sense, they've been way too slow to do this because... They've already let him spend this off-season butchering being a GM, giving up way too many draft picks, giving out massive contracts to people who didn't necessarily deserve it. And now they have the task of finding a head coach in mid-season. Who would, who would want that job right now? Deshaun Watson is the only appealing thing about the Texans right now. They have no picks. They're poorly budgeted. Their limited talent, their best defensive player, is gets injured every season now. That's JJ Watt. It's not going to be an older guy because they're all settled and there's no one out on the market at the moment. It won't be a good coordinator from another team taking a step up because they're already with their teams for the season. So if they do pick up a head coach, then it's going to be a young guy who's going to have to come in, maybe in his first coaching job ever in the NFL. And then he's got to deal with ownership and all the problems they've got with the staff and all the problems they've got with their budget on his first job. He's going to walk in to a complete long build. And... That's fine, but what Texans fans have to accept is that they're going to be like the Ravens, like the Chiefs, like Green Bay at the moment. These rebuilds don't happen in four or five weeks. They happen in two or three seasons. And getting rid of a coach that took them to the playoffs as a head coach isn't the end of Houston's problems. It's basically the start. Think about when David Tepper bought Carolina in 2018 and basically cleaned house. He kept one piece that was expensive, and that was Christian McCaffrey. And the rest of it was all change. So... It's the start of a Texans clear out now. I think there is a long road ahead for the Texans to recover for the situation they let themselves get into 
in the first place. And I do not pity the man who comes in to start that job. Moving on to a happier story, it's time for us to talk about the Packers. Yes, yes, I've seen all your messages. If it weren't for Wilson's form, I'd say that the Packers were the best team in the NFC so far. They're definitely a way more complete outfit because defensively they're more competent than Seattle and they also have a better O-line for their protection, although Wilson does negate some of that. But for Green Bay, the defence so far is good, not great. That's what I sort of, that's what puts them back from if they had an amazing defence as well as this offence, then they'd be one of the strongest teams in the league. But it's still early in the season and what's most exciting is Rodgers is back to his best and you don't it's interesting watching the QBs who've been around for sort of 10-15 years since the boom of social media you get a, a much better sense now that they're sort of cautiously putting their personality across especially we're seeing it with Brady at the moment but Rivers is really enjoying all the, the mic'd up stuff he's always very entertaining and watches his language and what we're finding with Rodgers is actually Rodgers is a little bit cheeky and quite funny and he went on the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee's a, an ex-punter who's also very entertaining. Rogers was on his show talking to him. And he had a quote that it was along the lines of, Pat asked him what he thought about the amount of press he's had in the last few years about how he's passed it and how he's had down years and not been that successful. And Rogers' response with this cheeky little grin on his face was that a down year for him is a career year for a much less talented quarterback, which is true. So you can't complain about him being arrogant. Quarterbacks should be arrogant. They have to stand there and get beaten up for an hour every time they play. So I'm completely okay with him being arrogant, especially if he's not deluding himself. But what was most nice to see was that he was he was grinning and he was engaging and he was being he was cheerful and happy with what was going on. And I think I was concerned before that this this um, success that he was having was based on an angry thing, a chip on his shoulder thing about them drafting a quarterback behind him in the in the first round this season. But actually now, now I've been watching, it's much more about Rodgers' in his second year with this new head coach, Matt LaFleur. Things are going well for them. He's not spent, he's not having to fight Mike McCarthy. He's not having to run the playbook on his own. They're doing intelligent things. He's got a run game supporting him. And you look at what's happening in Dallas where Mike McCarthy is with Dak now in a similar situation where he's having to carry the team each week and it's, it's all starting to fit together that Rogers was well maybe he was grumpy and he is arrogant and he is you know he quite a clever bloke and, and knows it and sort of fell out with Mike McCarthy because of that but it wasn't that he didn't he wasn't good anymore it was that he wasn't supported anymore and now with Lafleur, who's not pandering to him but he is handing him the right things. He's Lafleur's basically gone. Here's a run game. Here's a supporting cast. I don't care if you don't like them. This is what you're getting. This is the scheme that I've designed for you. You can either choose to make this work, or continue to be like you were with Mike McCarthy. And Rogers has looked at the scheme and the run game and everything that he's been given and gone. No, I can definitely work with this. And now, now it is all starting to fit together, and they're starting to mesh more over time. And they're trending in the right direction is the most exciting thing. They, they don't get worse each week. Matt LaFleur isn't getting found out as the season goes on. And it's really, it's re I just really, I was a big fan of Rodgers when I first came to the sport six, seven years ago. And he sort of fell off. And it's really nice to see him being cheerful and being part of the group and making jokes. There was a moment they've got these new sideline cams 
and all the players were doing these cool dances and stuff and Rogers just walks over and did this really pathetic little arm flex sort of jokingly like a sort of a little self-aware joke from Aaron Rodgers and it's it's all very engaging so far at Green Bay the one point that I will say is that as we were talking about fit and spotting your issues earlier they've had quite a nice run of games I mean they played well in all of them and they've deserved to win but the thing about being on a winning run is that you won't necessarily know what your issue is until it's quite late and then it's very hard to fix in a short amount of time. Maybe there isn't one. Maybe Green Bay are just destined for success this year, but they got pushed around last year defensively. Their defence still isn't amazing. And if you think about the Chiefs last year and how they had to go out mid-season and get a new lineman and get Tyron Matthew, and that sort of adjustment is a very, that's a veteran, very clever adjustment from Andy Reid. And whether Matt LaFleur is be willing to go, okay, we need more pieces, or whether he is has too much faith in his own scheme, that remains to be seen. But they've got to buy a week, then they play the Bucks. That is a big test against the most physical team they've faced so far. So we'll learn a lot from that game next weekend. But for now, it's been absolutely great to see Rogers back, being a bit cheerful, being a cheeky chappy, and most of all, being successful. We shall move on to our mailbag. And first question, well, there's a few of these, but let's go with this one. Why are you hating on Philip Rivers and the Colts? Okay, I'm I'm not hating on Philip Rivers and the Colts. What I have said before, they're obviously very well organised. They have an amazing offensive line, probably the best in the NFL. And defensively, they are outstanding at the moment. I mean, keeping Chicago 23 rushing yards, that's... That's special. That's a really impressive performance. So they, I, I don't hate on them. They've got all the things I do like. And I like Frank Reich as their head coach as well. The one thing, I, and I don't even, I like Rivers. Rivers is great as well. Rivers is entertaining. He's funny. He trash talks all the time, but never swears. He took a moment on the weekend to, I mean, it was during a play call, but he had time on the clock. So instead of just calling a timeout, he spent like 10 seconds criticizing one of the D linemen and then call the timeout which was and that's football should be like that they should have fun and they should interact with one another and they should you know there's all that media and content that they've set up so I'm glad the players use it my only problem is Philip Rivers when he was with Anthony Lynn never really took them anywhere they went to the playoffs a couple of times but that was sort of it they never really progressed so and they had some really good teams especially wide receiving talent so my problem is that I don't believe, as much as I like Philip Rivers, I don't believe Philip Rivers is ever going to win a Super Bowl. I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback, especially not in the modern age. He's not mobile enough and he's too loose with his throws. Not saying he's not a good quarterback. Of course, he is. he'll go in the Hall of Fame. But when we talk about and we analyse through the season, you tend to end up looking at the people that are going to make a difference and the people that are going to be in the conversation at the end. And I, I just, I don't believe that the Colts this is a little bit similar to how I feel about the Ravens as well. I don't believe the Colts are set up to win a Super Bowl. I think there's teams in this league that will come up against the Colts and it's like a game of rock, paper, scissors where you already know what they're going to do. They just, they can run the rock really well and they can defend really well. But ultimately, is that going to stop a Mahomes? Is it going to stop a Rodgers? Is it going to, well, I was about to say a Deshaun Watson, but everything's stopping a Deshaun Watson. But my point is that the way they play is old school. It's enjoyable. I, I love a trench warfare as much as everyone else. I enjoy Rivers as a character in the game, and I don't want him out of the game yet, but picking him up as an alternative to Jacoby Brissett, 
for me, that's sort of like a halfway house thing where they're just like, okay, well, we haven't got anyone in the draft, so let's just have this guy for a bit. But, I mean, he's not bad enough to lose you lots of games. They're currently doing really well. So when are they taking the next step to being the team that could win a Super Bowl? Because I don't believe it's going to be with Rivers. They haven't got a huge amount of draft picks or cap space. So at some point, they're going to have to make a move for someone that makes them exciting as a team. Because as much as Rivers and the team are good for ground and pound and entertaining, and I do enjoy watching that stuff, when is it going to take the step and level themselves up to a team that can win the Super Bowl? It's not hate. It's just sort of mild indifference to their success because obviously they're good. They're very well run. They've got a lot of the right pieces in place. But again, not all the pieces. And I don't think Philip Rivers is ever going to be the answer. So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for them to level themselves up. There you go. I'm, I'm waiting for them to level themselves up. And then I'll get really excited about them. Thank you very much for your question, by the way. Question number two, what do I think about Washington football team benching their starting second-year quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, in favour of Kyle Allen? This is an interesting one. So Kyle Allen used to be at Carolina with Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is now at Washington, and he took Kyle Allen to be his backup in Washington, which is, you know, it's probably quite nice for Kyle Allen that he managed to follow the person who keeps giving him jobs. But aside from that, there's a really interesting moment, and you, you saw I, it came across on a quite a niche Twitter page because that's what I spend my Sunday evenings doing. But I came across it. It was a clip of Ron Rivera talking after the game about he'd he presented Dwayne with a chance, and essentially Dwayne he didn't say this in as many words, but it was implied that he gave Dwayne a chance to prove that he deserved the starting job, and Dwayne didn't take it. And the clip he put it next to was the uh, there was a fourth a fourth and twelve, I think it was. They'd been pushed back. It was against the Ravens. And Ron said, okay, we're losing anyway. This is a good chance to test Dwayne. What can you do? And in that situation, if you've already lost the game, it's fourth and 12, you don't have anything to lose. So, you know, try something new. But what Haskins did, which was so... It was like walking into a pizza restaurant and ordering a margarita. It really just was so middle of the road. He he had two two receivers deep, one running sort of post to the corner and one underneath. And the, the Ravens dropped off but then put a few underneath as well to stop that pass and he took the easy way out and threw it to this guy who then had six yards to make up to make it to the end zone of course he didn't because the Ravens defend well and they were off the field and that's that's it's just nothing isn't it it's, it's a nothing play what I think Ron Rivera is is doing here is that he knows Kyle Allen he knows that Kyle Allen if nothing else has a sort of a bit of mumbo jumbo to him he, he does try and make the play so if you move to a new club and they've just got a rookie quarterback and you don't rate that rookie quarterback, but the club has put a lot into that rookie quarterback, is it your job to pander to their mistake or is it your job to go on and keep playing well and keep getting wins? And I think that's Ron Rivera's reaction. It's not his problem that they drafted Dwayne Haskins so early on. It's his problem that they aren't winning games at the moment. So he's shifting the focus. Maybe he'll bring him back in later in the season. I don't know. But if Kyle Allen performs well, then you put the best quarterback in. doesn't matter where they were drafted or how much you're paying them. You put the best quarterback in. Final question. And what do I think about the Titans and the COVID situation? Yeah, it's not great. Well, COVID in general in the league at the moment isn't great. Um, obviously, we lost the, a decent Patriots-Chiefs game this weekend because Cam had it. And then after the game, it was found out that Gilmore had it and Gilmore was sort of like cuddling Patrick Mahomes at once. It's not good for the league if we lose all these pieces, of course, because you 
no one wants to watch backup quarterbacks play one another. It's not interesting. People want to watch Cam play. They want to watch Mahomes play. People are losing pieces all over, but the Titans have had a real problem. They had an outbreak of 16 players and staff in their facility. The facility has been shut. And they were on a, they were on this sort of buy. But the question is now, oh, they aren't, they're still not in back in the facility. It's been shut since the end of September. So how are they supposed to prepare for their next game, which is against the Bills? Do they, and what they did actually, and this is where they're now in trouble, is that some of them sort of took it upon themselves to work out in a remote location, which they weren't supposed to do because they were supposed to be under protocol and just waiting for everything to get into places. I understand the instinct that they need to keep preparing and keep getting better, but if it's about prioritizing, isn't it? They're, they're still athletes. They've still got to work and stuff. So I understand them wanting to be at the highest level and stay prepared, but there are priorities at this moment. And if they were realistic about their situation, they'd say, okay, well, we've had a, a good start. We've had a fortunate start to the season. We're still yet to lose a game. If we slack on the preparation for just for a week and see what the situation is with this with this virus first in terms of our team and how it relates to us, then they can get out of it quicker and put their foot on the pedal and start accelerating towards being a great team again. But you can't do that if you're all under investigation for messing around and breaking, breaking protocols. So I understand their instinct to want to keep training and keep getting better, but at this point, you just have to make the smarter decision. So I think that's that's my problem with the Titans at the moment. And they're going to get they're going to get investigated and there's going to be fines and suspensions. So ultimately, in the long run, they've taken a risk and it's probably backfired quite tremendously in their faces. So the league will punish them. The league should punish them. They broke protocol in a very serious time. I understand their instinct for wanting to do so. But again, prioritise, be realistic and assess your situation and your context. <laughs> Which leads me quite nicely into games of the week. Uh, the Bills are facing the Titans at 6pm, supposedly. If this does go ahead, this will be an excellent game to watch because the Titans are undefeated. So are the Bills. The Titans are in all sorts of issues at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see just how good a head coach Mike Vrabel is. Because if he can lead them through this, then he can probably lead them through anything. But at the same time, the Bills and Josh Allen are currently playing the much better football and also are a particularly good organisation. So I suspect the Bills win. I always enjoy watching the Titans. I recommended them two weeks ago. But I'm going to do it again because I want you to see Josh Allen in action as well. He has been so exciting. He His face looks like he's very young and new in the league. But then when he pancakes linebackers and throws the ball 80 yards, you're like, oh no, that's, that's definitely a grown man. And he's quite scary when he wants to be. So I've enjoyed watching Josh Allen immensely. He's not going to be MVP. It's nice to talk about him being MVP. He's not going to be MVP, especially not with Russell Wilson playing like this. He's probably in the top three or four at the moment, but I'm afraid that's just that's not going to be the case and it shouldn't be because context is important and the fact that he's playing well within his system doesn't out-trump the fact that Russell Wilson is the Seahawks system. That's the first game, 6pm, and then the second game, 9.25, it's the Colts versus the Browns. Dallas could not stop the Browns running. They ran for 200 yards despite using their best running back in Nick Chubb. The Colts didn't let Chicago even start running. So this game is all about the trenches and the upfront fight. If it becomes a stalemate, because the Colts are good going both ways, so are the Browns. If it becomes a stalemate, then it becomes a passing game behind super accurate, not particularly mobile Baker Mayfield, and super entertaining, not particularly accurate Philip Rivers. So does this game become stay ground and pound the whole time? It's also a good game between two great head coaches. So an interesting one up front and then 
which I don't even know which game this will go. Either one team will manage to assert dominance on the line, or neither of them will, and then it will be about who blinks first, who decides to be the passing team first, who takes more risk early on. My instinct, though, is, is that Kevin Stefanski would be the one to do that for the Browns because they have really good wide receiving talent and he's sort of less averse to the trickery and the trick plays that some coaches try and avoid. So, we shall see, but that's at 9.25. The Colts versus the Browns and Bill's game versus the Titans is at 6. That will do for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I've got another YouTube video up. It's about the Rams, who are amazing at the moment. So if you are a Rams fan, then go and have a look at that one. But if not, oh, sorry, our YouTube channel is The Fail Mary Podcast. And on Twitter, if you want to message me, that's at MKFailMary. So if you've got anything for the mailbag, then please get in touch. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. I've been Marcus Kenmit, and I will see you next week. Yeah.